0: Hello and welcome back to the 17th episode of the Highside News podcast. This week we'll be discussing the highs and the lows from the German Grand Prix and the brilliant British superbike action from a surprisingly sunny Knock Hill. But before we get into all that, joining me today, as usual, is the short shift news duo of Dawn and Jack Hammersley. Good morning, Dawn. How have you been?
1: Good morning, Luke. Fine, thank you.
0: Uh, I asked you last week whether you were more looking forward to the German Grand Prix or the British Superbike Action at Knock Hill. Uh, Now I should really follow that up and ask, which one did you prefer more from the weekend?
1: Um, Well, I've obviously really enjoyed both, and it was a very busy weekend from a writing point of view, but I did enjoy Knock Hill. Thrilling racing as normal, yeah. It's just a shame there was just so many crashes, I think.
0: Yeah, it always...
1: In the mix to stir things up a bit, but yeah, very enjoyable.
0: It always throws up something special. Uh, Hello, Jack. how, How have you been? Have been
1: good,
0: thank you. Good stuff. Um, I'll I'll ask you. I'll start off by asking you the same thing of, which one did you prefer more from I don't know, a, a fan's point of view of watching the German Grand Prix or Hill? Which one did you find more entertaining? I
2: found watching. I think the German Grand Prix a bit more entertaining, just because you know it's the first last lap battle we've seen, but it's actually. Well, it it, it got taken away from us a little bit on the penultimate lap. But we might have seen a last lap overtake. But, you know, it's the first time since a ref where it's been a proper scrap and before then you can't even think when it'd be. So, yeah, it was just yeah. good to see two Ducati fine at the front.
0: Yeah, there's all the talk that it's a Ducati Cup at the moment, MotoGP, but if you've got two Ducati riders performing at that level, fighting how Martín and Peko were, it, it's good to watch. And you can't deny that it was a good race to, to witness. Um, we'll jump straight in with arguably the biggest low from the weekend. Uh, the biggest talking point from every motorbike racing paddock from the weekend. And that's Mark Marquez. Now, the German Grand Prix. Marquez, unbeaten there. It's like the track that he's always got along with for his whole career. Jack, you put him down to, to win, both... The sprint and the main race not quite how it ended up for mark and i think you know in my mind as well there was a little bit of thing of mark's going to at least be on the podium here in germany turned up immediately didn't look right i think is the best way to put it how many crashes did he have through the weekend five was it in total throughout the whole weekend yeah five crashes the sprint race i think after the sprint race as well he claimed he'd given up pretty much um broken um broken was it a broken finger he's he's done around of some sort. Yeah. yeah Something along those lines. But Jack, seeing Marquez so defeated at a track where he's been unbeatable, how did that sort of, you know come across to you watching it at a place where Mark should have been dominating in the past?
2: it just made him humoured and sort of like, you know, he said only a couple of weeks ago I'm, I'm not going to consolidate finishing 11th. I'm going to be push. I'd rather push to fight for podium, but then he sort of had to, Because of how much he's got beat up by that Honda and all these crashes he's having. He sort of realised that he has to reel it back. Otherwise, well, we saw sort of happened in the morning warm-up and he got sent flying again like he did in Indonesia. So I think, yeah, it's sort of, he's beating him up and sort of, bring him back to reality sort
0: of yeah it um yeah it's it, a rider like mark has almost been uh by the media I guess I guess we're partly to blame for this sort of made him seem immortal in some races and in some sense that he's untouchable sort of thing but dawn I think he's just been proved to himself that you know he can be beaten up these last couple of years have been really hard on on mark especially on his physical condition um he was declared fit after his massive morning warm-up high side and then he decided himself to withdraw from the main race around the Saxon Ring. How did that come across to you? Do you reckon that was the most mature decision we've seen from Mark throughout his whole career or do you think it was maybe a little bit of fear coming in from the Honda where he'd already had five crashes across the weekend?
1: I'd say probably a little bit of both, but I definitely think he made the right decision because surely if he'd have had another crash, you just don't know what that would have done to him. But it must have been awful for him in a way because everybody knows how good he is around that place. Himself, he would have looked at the calendar thought, well, yeah, the bike's no good, I'm not jalling with you, but at least there, I know I can get on the podium, podium and fight for the race win, but he just couldn't. And he was definitely beat by his own machinery this weekend.
0: Yeah, he. Um, yeah, it was definitely the, the Honda was... I guess just a track normally as well in the past, we've seen Honda have gone well at the Saxon ring. Um, I think Danny's had good success there. Uh, Casey Stoner was always on the pace there. Yeah, the likes of even, even, uh, I see, I find it funny to see this on social media, but Takanakagami has been the top Honda for the last like four Grand Prix now. And he's only finishing down in like 14th, pretty much throughout the races. And even he said that. He was behind Mark in his morning uh, warm-up crash and even he's come out and said that it scared him to to see what happened to Mark on the, the same bike that he was on. Um, Jack, I guess the big question really about Marquez's crash and the way he's probably feeling with Honda at the moment. He said he's had a big meeting with the, the big bosses. Will Mark try and get out of his contract with Honda for the 2024 season or would he potentially keep trusting them
2: i don't see where else he could go that's the problem he probably could afford to take a year out because he's done that before already so but i think it just wouldn't be how worth it'd be
0: see the thing that i've you know it's been rumored around um the thing of I guess Acosta's name is now in the mix, and that's opened up some other doors and rumours that KTM might be bringing in a third team sort of thing, whether it's it's true or not. that's you know could be a place, Dawn. What are your thoughts on Mark? Will he, do you reckon stick out with Honda and leave trust in them since they've been so good to him in MotoGP, or do you think maybe now is the time for him to try and move away?
1: I think if an opportunity with the team did come up, I think he would do his best to move straight away. But like Jack says, you can't really see where, you know, he could go because I don't think he could stand another year of doing what he's doing now, plus having to settle for eighth, ninth place. Cause you know, that's not him. That's what no rider wants really. But I can't see him just sort of thinking, Oh, well, I'll just take a little step back, be a bit more cautious and just get, get the results. Cause that's not, that's not him. So it will be interesting to see what happens.
0: Yeah, I guess the same argument could be made for Joanne Mier. He's had an awful season with Repsol Honda, so I guess the same question could be asked about him. Would, would he try and leave Honda at the end of this season? Because it, really, when you watch him, he's not improved on that bike. He's not gelled with it at all. He crashes in pretty much every session on that Honda. He's been out injured, what's it, two, three times Joanne Mier's been out injured now this season? And we're only at, what, round seven? So, coming up to round eight. So, it's not been a good start for Repsol Honda at all. I think they are bottom of the team's championship at the moment as it stands. So, not a place you expect to see Repsol Honda at all. Um, But yeah, Honda, I don't think there's any updates really on them. They're still lost, it seems. Um, It does seem like there may be big changes behind the scenes from Honda. With meetings between Mark and... The, the Japanese head bosses rather than people like Alberto Puig being there. His name's not been mentioned at all about their meetings for the future. So I don't know if he's potentially on his way out, but things that are, are occurring behind the scenes. But we'll we'll move on from the biggest low. Mark Marquez, the, the biggest talking point at the moment. I move on to the man who is definitely on the biggest high after the weekend, coming into and probably feels untouchable himself now. The Martinator, Jorge Martin. Done. You predicted it right for the sprint race. Jorge Martin took victory in that, but also he doubled up, took the win in the Grand Prix as well. What did you think? This was it by far the best we've seen from Jorge Martin in MotoGP.
1: Yes, definitely. And because he's always said, it, I think just winning a sprint race has never been enough for him. He wanted to get that, you know, proper GP on the Sunday race. So he's just an amazing, yeah. Great weekend, and I'm excited to see if he can follow it up this weekend.
0: Yeah, I'm sure he'll be uh, desperate to try and follow that up as well. Jack, we've seen with Jorge Martin in the past, he's a bit of a crasher. There's no there's no other way really to put it. Jorge Martin's thrown it away in good positions before. Did you think that there was a chance that would have happened in Germany with the pressure from Peko? or did you think the way he was riding just seemed like a, a new person almost on that bike?
2: I think it was just one with the bikes, and there was no, uh, any doubt in my mind, he was going to just slip off. I mean, the only corner I could have seen him slipping off was Turn 11, but that's just because it's Turn 11, so, but yeah, he just, I mean, even in his double overtake to win the sprint race, he almost lost the front, but he had that much confidence in the bike, he just held it together.
0: Yeah, he was pushing, and there's, there's no doubt about it. We've seen it from Jorge Martin before, he's a little warrior really on that, on that Pramac Ducati. Um, he has a point to prove. He wants to prove that he should have been the man alongside Peko in the factory team. Um, and it's now almost been confirmed. Paolo Ciabatti said it's going to happen, but apparently Martin's staying with Pramac for next season. So that rules his name out of the Yamaha talk and potentially gives Morbidelli some more hope after last week's awkward encounter after Mugello. Um, but yeah, Martin, he he looks good. Looks good going into Assen. I'm sure he's going to be a lot of people's favourites coming to Assen now. Um, but once again, really, Ducati Cup, you could say. Some people have been calling MotoGP, although all Ducati riders are competitive in the main Grand Prix. It should be mentioned that all Ducati riders, even Digi Antonio and the still recovering Andrea Bastianini, were inside the top nine. The only the only rider inside the top nine that wasn't the Ducati was Jack Miller on the KTM. So I'm sure he uh, had fun fighting his old bikes. Um, we'll talk about Pecco, the man who was perfect in Mugello. And again, it was a good weekend from Pecco. Maybe not what he would have been hoping after. It's definitely an improvement from his last year, German Grand Prix. That's, there's no denying that. Jack, Pecco's gone from, you know top dog after Magello to now playing sort of second best to Martín. Um, do you think sort of the best he, he could have done was second or do you think from what we saw in the races that he was determined to take that win away from, from Martín?
2: I don't think he could have won on that last lap I think that just that last corner mistake and up an ultimate lap cost him the chance. Had he not made that mistake we saw how much he closed on him on the last lap so I reckon he would have had a a go into turn one twelve or thirteen if the opportunity presented itself
0: yeah he um he was definitely you know made that step on on martin in the in the main race do you think that's just because martin we said it before before the start of the season martin looked like the sprint races would suit him so do you think Pecco's just more tactical in a grand Prix than than martin with tire wear and stuff or do you think it was just Peko made that step overnight. I think it was just
2: uh Martin with a lighter fuel load is probably a bit better, but Peko over a long distance, he takes his time. He doesn't When he's in top form, he doesn't rush things, he just imposes his own pace because he believes in himself that he will eventually get to the front no matter where he is. So I think he just lets people do what they do and trusts himself that he'll come across the line in first by an end of it.
0: Yeah, I think yeah, I think you've summed that up well between the differences of the riders and their riding style and the way they, they prefer. Martín a little bit more like Bautista, you could say, with a lighter fuel load. Um, Dawn, Martín is now 16 points behind Peko in the championship. It it seems a bit silly to ask, but we've seen this from Martín in the past. Do we think we can consider Martín a, a a true championship challenger this year from you know the inconsistencies we've seen in the past from him, or... Do you think, like I've said previously, this is the, a new Jorge Martín who's going to fight at the front week in, week out?
1: Yes, definitely. I think he's a very strong contender this season. He, he just seems a little bit mature in what he's doing, and he wants it more than anything. So, yes, I do definitely. Yeah,
0: I think yeah, he's this is the. I think even Martín sort of feels that this is his year. This is his chance to, especially where he had the thing of he wants to prove to Jacati. He should have been promoted rather than Bastianini, So I think that's sort of driving him on a little bit more than anything. But I'm glad to hear he's going to stay with Ducati for next year. That's that's one thing that I am happy to hear. I think him going to Yamaha would have been a waste of his time, really. Um, and a waste of his talent, as we can see with Franco and, and Fabio. Um, we'll quickly move on to Yamaha. We'll segue over to them. Another low. From the German Grand Prix. Nothing looks like it's working for the Japanese factory. Uh, Fabio took a gamble in the main race. Went with a soft rear tyre compared to everyone else other than Leisha Spagro. Who went with medium rears. But Jack they just look lost don't they? That's really the best way to put it. Um, just nothing seems to be working for them. Franco and Fabio both seem just distraught with the bike. Assen next a track where Yamaha have gone well in the past. Do you see anything happening before the summer break for them at Assen?
2: It's Assen, so it it's more it's, it's a track where even in the bad years they've they've always pulled out something. Well, I don't know if they can, but you know, Sachs. I mean, Frankie was a top non-European runner, so that's. Something, if you can take any... I mean, all the Hondas were gone, so... There's only one yeah. Honda, so it's, it's not that difficult. But um, also, um, Yamaha's fastest race at Saxon Ring was Rossi in 2018. So since then, they've gone backwards. Whilst everyone else has gone you know, 20, 10, 20 seconds forwards. So, yeah, it's sort of questionable. Like, if, I think if Rossi put that race together now, he would have finished like... I think it was something like ninth, something, somewhere in the top 10. So it's a bit of an odd one.
0: See, I'm, I'm glad you pointed that out because I've read from, I think Morbidelli had said he sees it as a slight improvement because his race time was quicker. But overall, it was still, I think, the same as what Fabio did last year or something. So, how many? Sorry.
2: Just a couple.
0: Yeah, a couple, you know. yeah. so he sees that as a slight improvement, but still, where do they finish in the main race? Hold on, let me... F- uh, Franco in 12th and Fabio in 13th. Dawn, we've said it with Honda. We- we've said it with Yamaha throughout the whole season. Not where you'd expect to see the likes of factory Yamaha and factory Honda. It They, they just look lost, I guess, is the only word to use compared to the... the- the European factories, do you see anything happening, but maybe in a dry race, before the end of the season, for the Yamaha or?
1: No, not really, and I noticed something, over the weekend as well, just in different camera shots, uh, they never really showed, Morbidelli much, but they were quite, homing in on Fabio, and he looks, I don't know if it's miserable, stressed, I mean normally he's quite, the joking type, when everything's going well, and he looks drawn, and even when he knows the camera's sort of focusing off and he doesn't sort of give a thumbs up or anything so it's really telling on him I think
0: yeah I think he he really is the man that the cameras are focusing on probably because former yeah. world champion won it it's now been over a year since Fabio won his last MotoGP race um, yeah. Germany last year which was his last win which is mental to think it's been that long now since we've seen Fabio on the top step but um, but no, I, I, I see no hope for Yamaha or Honda this year. I think this is maybe, I hate the phrase, but building year, even for those two factories, which doesn't seem right to, to word it like that. But they almost seem to have, feel free to disagree if you think differently, but the way I see it is they've sort of stood still while, and sort of seen their old ways worked, whereas Ducati and Aprilia and KTM have come in with these new ideas and have tried so many different things, and finally they found something that have worked. Especially Ducati and KTM, whereas the Japanese are very—I don't know if it's a sort of a cultural thing—but they've sort of very old school, very set in their ways. Of it worked, it will work again, sort of thing. If you get what I'm trying to say about of them, but yeah, it does look like the Europeans are taking over MotoGP a little bit. Could really same say the same for Superbikes as well, really. Um, but yeah, it's becoming a, an, an uh, a KTM and Ducati show really. MotoGP and the racing's still good, so I will still watch it. Um, we'll move over back over to Europe. We'll talk about KTM. Um, really, we should talk about I think mean, Brad Binder first with the his his uh, his weekend. Um, it started out well, a, a sixth place in the 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 sprint race for Brad, and then a crash at. I don't know what the the corner number is, Jack. You'll probably be able to say. Eight. Was it turn eight? Yeah, I was gonna say turn nine. That's close. Um, but no, that. What What did you think of that, Jack? Seeing that crash from Binder in the race—purely just a little mistake, and then couldn't save it, or
1: yeah, it was just all uh,
2: he took. Because I thought like maybe the curbs just were a tiny bit damp because from the rain was yeah, because there was rain on there over the weekend, but. At that point, probably wasn't a lot of rain, but he just seemed to run that tiny bit wide, and that's all it took for the rear to lose grip, and he got sent nearly into the gravel. He tried to save it, but he just couldn't.
0: Yeah, he um, he was running third at that point, wasn't he in the race? Yeah. So he's running well, and just one—I guess that is a thing with a track like the Saxon Ring. A small little mistake can cost you so much. Actually something that was discussed heavily on the TV over the weekend and something I want to ask you both. Jack, I'll go to you first. Has MotoGP, with the speed and the, the aero and everything, outgrown the Saxon ring now, do you think?
2: You could say that, but I feel like if if people have normal crashes, then I don't think there's a there will be much of a problem. If you have like a uh, I mean like Mika Calli, he broke his leg like, at turn eight, but that was like sort of a one big mistake, and then that led there was a bit of an abnormal crash. So I think to a safety degree it kind of has a little, in a way, but I don't think if things are going smooth, it will it, it will still be a good race to race at.
0: Okay. Yeah. Dawn, what, what are your thoughts? Saxon Ring, do you think Mo GP is outgrown it, uh, the 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 Saxon Ring now.
1: No, it's still giving us great competitive racing, and like I say, there has been a few crashes, but you can get them anywhere. You don't know what the weather's going to be at a circuit or something. But no, I, I think it's it's still good to get the GP racing from there.
0: Yeah, a lot of people's argument is um, the the runoff area, how they don't think there's enough, and how you can't really expand the Saxon Ring because. It's built in in an an industrial estate, compared to a lot of tracks which um, aren't. Some people compared it to Laguna, uh, in the way that that sort of MotoGP outgrew that. But uh, yeah, I think the Saxon Ring is still a good addition on the calendar. We need it's one of the most attended races of the year. Always brings in a crowd, so it's good on that front. So I don't think MotoGP, which is dying on that sort of front, can lose that attention but we'll see what the organisers think in the future about it. Um, We'll talk about Miller. Solid weekend from Jack Miller. He's really uh, made that sort of, not step on the KTM but has proved a lot of people wrong on the KTM. Third in the sprint race sixth in the main race Dawn, what did you make of, of Jack Miller's weekend around the Saxon ring?
1: Yeah, a good weekend for Jack. Obviously I think he'd be hoping for a bit more and it, it seems just when he's leading a race or he's up in the top, it does seem to slip away from him. So I think he needs to sort of perhaps try and sort that little issue out. And so we can't see him back on the top step of the podium. Cause I'd like to see that.
0: And I think that could happen this season at some point, if Miller, I don't know if it would take luck or something for, uh, you know, a lot of luck and some unfortunate for Ducati, but I think we could see Miller win a, win a race this season. Um, Jack, what have you made of the KTM as a whole throughout the year? Because you see Jack Miller who starts off well, he's at the front and then he drops back, whereas you've got Binder who starts toward, you know, further back and then makes his way forward sort of thing. What what have you made of between those two throughout the season?
2: Um I've been really impressed by the steps they've made because we've seen before where one track you'd sort of they'd be like the fastest there, and then the next race would probably be in last whereas now they're consistently fighting the top five. They're the only team that can consistently fight the Ducatis. And just the di- the differences between Miller and Binder, it's quite clear to see that maybe Miller is more comfortable in time attack mode, whereas Binder's always been a racer. And I just feel like uh, if Miller can just sort out the end of the race if Binder can just sort out the start of the race, then they might be able to be consistently fighting for wins. But I think they are both doing a great job. Uh both bringing in valuable information to them for next year, and especially all the, you know, the Ducati mechanics they've um, taken. So I think, yeah, I think it's onwards and upwards for KTM, but I think those two are doing a great job. And I think Miller will just improve, improve. I'm not sure if he'll win a race, maybe a wet race, but I can't see him winning an actual, maybe a sprint race, but I don't see him winning a GP. Maybe Mateggy if it's like last year, but uh, yeah, I think... I think he'll get another podium sooner or later. Just got to see when.
0: Yeah, he'll, he'll he'll be up there for sure. Um, yeah, KTM have really taken Aprilia's place. Aprilia are on the downwards, it seems, at the moment. We won't go too much into them because there's not really much to shout about from Aprilia. It was a rather average weekend, I guess you could say, on their front. Um, we'll look over in into the, the Moto2 class. Uh, we'll go over there quickly talk about the the main the main runners and the Brits over there. Um, where where else can I start really other than Pedro Acosta was sort of on another level again, you could say. Uh, Jack, w- what did you make of him again this weekend? MotoGP ready is he now?
2: Uh, it looks like I mean he's I mean apart from two races, apart from well apart from um, in the wet. Um is mistake of Le Mans and just not being the fastest in her ref. He's being untouchable whenever he gets to the front and he just clears off. And despite his like rapid pace, his tie never seems to drop. So he's riding across the wave and he's trying to show everyone he needs to be MotoGP next season.
0: He, or his manager, has said recently that um, Pedro has decided to move to MotoGP with, and wants to move with KTM next, next season. To, to MotoGP. Jack, who do you, do you think KTM, you know, KTM are going to have to get rid of someone if they don't bring in a third team to get Pedro into their books for, for MotoGP next year. If you're the KTM bosses, which of their four riders would you sacrifice for Pedro Acosta next season?
2: Probably Polispargra.
0: I'm guessing because of the the injury this season?
2: Yeah, he, he didn't show any promise in pre-season. He was, Slow in the Portimao weekend, and he obviously is himself. Augusto, he's only a rookie, and he's had a fourth place. So you think it, it you only get better as he understands the bike more, and the, ultimately the bike will probably improve as well. So I think you're better off going for like the twenty twenty two IO lineup than kicking out Fernandez being a rookie, because I don't think it's good PR for you. Have two KTM motor two World champions and you kick them out straight away.
0: Yeah, no, yeah, I I completely agree with you down on that front. Don, ask you the same thing. If you're the KTM big bosses, who are you getting rid of uh, for Pedro Acosta and why?
1: Yeah, I'd agree with Jack Polos about the road, definitely. Yeah, it was unfortunate with his crash, but he didn't come into the season looking like a strong contender at all. So, and like you say. Fernandez, he, he deserves to stay there because he's done a great job as a rookie. So, yeah, it'd be Paul.
0: Yeah, no, yeah. Again, I, I agree with you both. Um, yeah, Pedro Acosta, he looks ready. Um, in the races, he wins in Moto2. He absolutely dominates, and there's no other way to put it. So I think it's that natural step now. You know, people have compared him to looking like Mark Marquez when he was in Moto2, and you do see a bit of that, a little bit of he's just special, it seems. Not leading the Moto2 Championship, though. That is currently with Tony Albelino. Dawn, he was your pick for this weekend. He's been your pick regularly throughout the season. Uh, he could only manage second place uh, at, at the German Grand Prix. W- what did you make of his his weekend?
1: Yeah, Tony did it. I think he did everything he could do. And, and like I say, just to cost it. He's just untouchable at the moment. So you just knew he wasn't going to catch him, you know, Tony was sort of like the best of the rest, if you like. So, yeah, a good weekend for him.
0: Yeah, he's he's really is coming on strong. And I saw a lot of media outlets saying that Tony's the unexpected package of the season. And I have to agree. I think Tony really has sort of stood out and definitely put himself on the map for MotoGP teams next year with Grossini being linked. So we could see him on a Ducati next season, which would be exciting. Um, but, of course, we can't not talk about Jake Dixon. Mm-hmm. Another third place he was frustrated that it's only a third place again still hasn't got a second place or even that that crucial win yet um yeah jack what what did you make of of Jake at the German grand Prix and and this season as a whole because it seems like finally he's got that consistency about
2: him now yeah it's really been really apart from Koto, it's been a really strong run for Jake. It's ju- it's and it's uh, the good thing is we everyone know well especially him he knows what the weak point is those first three laps because he dropped down to fifth and then he then all of a sudden after three laps we have the same pace as a near enough so you know it's just if he could just sort those laps out keep track because if he just stayed where he was I reckon he would have finished second place because he was all over Obelino at the end he just couldn't find a way through so I reckon if he can just Hold on to trap position in those first few laps, he's guaranteed to get inside the top two unless he crashes.
0: Yeah, it's, it looks like it's it's on its way now, I think we could say. I'll ask you both first. Dawn. I'll go to you first. Jake Dixon, he knows Aston well from British Superbikes. Can he get, I was going to say that first win, but can he get that first top two in Moto 2 at Aston, do you think?
1: Yeah, I believe he can. Yes, yeah, definitely. He seems to, it's like, again, something to click to with him. He's not crashing like last year he could have been you know second, third and he'd have crashed out so yeah I think he can
0: Jack what what do you think same question to you top two for, for Jake and Asim do you think it's possible?
2: Yeah, it's definitely possible I mean, you're going to have to like, because it's going to be Costa's Costa's going to have to learn this place because he didn't do it last year Yes. so that's the advantage He's got to take advantage of that but you're obviously going to have Arbelina you're going to have potentially Sam Lowe's if he's not having any problems you're going to have Lopez you're going to have um Viatti was strong there last year in terms of late race pace as he always is so you will have a few people at him but I generally think if he could do what he did last year but just improve those small things he can definitely be fighting for the win
0: Yeah, I think um, the next two tracks really work well for Jake um, Assen and then the five week break and then Silverstone so two tracks he knows really well from British Superbike days, and two tracks where I'd expect a top two could could happen for Jake uh, from his experience around there. And I I look forward to seeing it. He wants he's fourth in the championship at the moment in Moto Two. New heights for Jake in, in that in this class. Um, uh, he wants to be top three in the championship after Assen before the summer break, which I think could be done. And hopefully he'll go well around Assen and put in a good result. Um, we'll talk about Sam Lowe's, the other Brit. Obviously, Rory Skinner wasn't at, Asen after, uh, Asen, at the Saxon Ring after the injury he picked up in the crash with Alcoba at Magello. Dawn, what did you make of Sam? Down in seventh place, I believe, at the, the Saxon Ring, where he was on the podium last year. Sort of, do you think nine points really is just a good result after being taken out in Magello?
1: Yeah, he was probably relieved to just cross the finish line, probably in one piece. But I, I expect he was disappointed with that, and he was probably hoping to be on the podium fight again, like he has been in previous rounds. But he's, he's like you say, he's he's probably looking forward to Assen this weekend, and then like saying five weeks time, um, Silverstone. So, yeah, but I, I would have thought he might have been slightly disappointed.
0: Yeah, I think all the Brits really look forward to us and it's almost like a, a second home race with the amount of Brits that go across yeah. over. So I'm sure they'll be in, enjoying that those two and they'll be on for a, a strong weekend, hopefully. Um, yeah, we'll we'll go down to Moto3. We've we we've covered the, the podium in Moto2, the three strongest ones who are properly going to scrap it out for the title probably, Alvalino and Acosta at some point. Um, the Moto3 race it's safe to say he's finally done it dawn you've, you've picked him a lot throughout the season so i'll ask you about it Dennis on you, finally a moto free race winner finally after so long of trying it's worked for him and it looked like he had some problems along the way so what did you think of his resilience throughout the, the moto free race
1: yeah absolutely brilliant he rode a great race And he showed a little bit of maturity as well because he sat behind uh, Sasaki instead of normally he'd have been trying to get in front of him and then he'd have lost the lead on the last corner on the final race or something, but he rode a great race. Yeah, he did seem to be suffering with his leg, um, a dead leg and kept hitting it, but whatever he was doing, it it worked for him. So yeah, just a great race for him and so pleased.
0: Yeah, he's finally uh, got that win and I think he'd deserve a step up to Moto2 next year. I think he'd deserve to take Acosta's place if he does go up to MotoGP in that IO squad. Seems like the the natural step for him. Um, Jack, what did you make of Ayumu Sasaki? He was looked much quicker than everyone else throughout the whole weekend. But when it came down to it, Onsu just had that grit and determination. Um, disappointment for Sasaki, do you reckon?
2: Yeah, because I feel like... It was all sort of like like to last weekend where... It was clear Sasaki was the fastest, you know, he got pulled over a second and he set a, a brand new lap record, which would have put him, that would have put him somewhere high in motor 2 so, well not high, but, you know, he would have finished something like 6th like or 7th in Q1, so, you know, it was a really strong weekend, he probably should have won, but Denny's was just able to grit and hold on to the, to the toe and close him down and just hold on and have that something extra to... Bring the win, but I think Ayumu will be a bit angry. but come whether it's Asin or Red Bull Ring or something like that? That's where he'll get his first win. But I think Sasaki's be glad he finished the race as well, especially after his um inconsistencies early on.
0: Yeah, um, that just it, it was a good race between the two of them. Uh, the maturity from Dennis, which we haven't seen before. Would you say to say it seems like a lot of riders have matured this season and they're looking strong so I, I was I was glad to see that um dawn you picked Daniel holgado as your dark horse for this season he was on the podium again still top of the championship you know he, he's he's still just being consistent when others, when others fall back down the order like Sharma Masia. what what have you made of him after a stepped from down from iO to, to tech free he's just Looked the real deal.
1: Oh, definitely. And like you say, he's, you know, yeah, he didn't win, but he's just doing what he needs to do to, you know, lead the championship and, yeah, great, great riding from him.
0: Yes, yeah, the old damage limitation, really, if you can't, you know, mm-hmm. he, was, he didn't have the pace of the front two. That was very obvious to see. And he did the best that he could without crashing out and secured good points. So the more points, the better for him and his championship hopes. Um, talk about the Brits. I'm just looking down the order. It was a, yeah, difficult weekend for Ogden and Whatley. Um, Ogden had his mistake in, in, in qualifying, uh, had a massive high side for Moto free bike in qualifying. Ogden finished the race from coming pretty much last on the grid to 20th and Josh Watley in 23rd, probably the closest they've been in terms of positions for a while. Um, Jack, what 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 did you make of the the, the British Riders weekend? Because it seemed a bit like their worst weekend of the season, really.
2: Yeah, it, I mean, in the wet, the if it was wet, we know they would have done well, because Scott was running really well until he crashed in FP2, but Josh did all right. And then FP3, they were fast as well. It's just, I, d- I don't, I just don't think in the dry that bike is the most competitive because we know the Hondas generally aren't doing well compared to the KTMs right now so it's hard but it's it just seems like if you're not a Leopard Honda you don't really stand a chance so I think they've just got to know what their limitations are and just try and make the best of it
0: yeah I think yeah, it's not the bike to be on manufacturer wise but so sort of, yeah, damage limitation, I guess, compared to to where the others are at. Uh, before we move on to BSB, we we have to do our pr- predictions for the MotoGP and that this this weekend at Assam. Um, I should point out, Dawn and Jack, you both got the Moto three one right from from the German Grand Prix with uh Onchu. Uh, me and Jack got the Moto two prediction right with Acosta, Dawn, you got the sprint race correct with Martin, and none of us got the Grand Prix result correct. So, Dawn, you got three out of four this week. Uh, two out of four yeah. this weekend, was it? Yeah, two out of four for you. And Jack got two out of four as well. So, a solid weekend from both of you, and I got just the one.
1: <laughs>
0: um, we'll go straight in with the Moto three, the always the hardest one and the, the most interesting one to predict. Uh, Jack. Moto 3 race winner for Assen. Who do you think?
2: How are you Musasaki.
0: Ooh, do you think purely just got something to prove now?
2: Yeah, and I remember him being quite fast there last year, so
0: Fair enough. Uh Dawn, who who are you going with for the, the Moto 3 race?
1: I think I'll go with Dennis Onchu again. I think he's yeah, he can to be able to continue his winning streak. Um
0: see, normally I'd go Masia. But this time, I kind of want to. I want to. I'm going <laughs> to join you. In going on to, he's won a race. I think it's going to put him on a roll now, and he's going to win some more. Jack, Moto Two. Who do you think? Acosta. Uh, again, I'm, I'm not surprised. Dominant fashion. Do you reckon?
2: No, I reckon it's going to be a scrap. It's going to be Ooh. like a G- GT chicane battle with like Arbolino and Dixon. It could be those three the main ones, but like you possibly could have like Beattie or Lowe's or. Lopez or somebody like
0: that to join in with them yeah I, I could see that happening between between those the first three names you mentioned Dawn who are you going for for the Moto2 race
1: I've got to go with Acosta this week I think oh. <laughs> yeah
0: backing away from Arbelino this time yeah, Okay.
1: feel guilty but yeah
0: <laughs> I, I'm going to change it up I'm going to go Jake Dixon I've, I've got the feeling it's going to happen uh Last time I said this was Sam Lowe's, he crashed, so I may have jinxed it for Jake, but oh well, we'll go with it. Um, Jack, the MotoGP Sprint Race, what do you think?
2: I remember last year lace was extremely fast there, but I just don't know if he will have the same edge this year, but I'm going to go safe and go with Pekka.
0: Okay. Dawn, who are you going with for the MotoGP Sprint Race?
1: I'm gonna
0: go with Marty. Yeah, fair enough. Um, we've all gone Ducati. I'm going to Catty. I'm gonna go with Bezaki. He did well there last year, so I'm gonna mm-hmm. go along with, with, with him this season. Um, uh, the most GP main race, Jack, the Grand Prix. Who is going to take the the most points? Paco. Paco. Same as last year. Then uh, any reason or just purely maybe a bit of.
2: Uh, well, he's got a nice—he's got a t- tattoo of Assen, yes. so he likes the place. It's where his Championship restarted last year and I just generally think it's a place he always goes well at, so there's no reason why he can't do it.
0: There's one there in every class as well, so yeah, I could see that happening. Dawn, for the main Grand Prix, who are you going with?
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with Peckham as well.
0: Now, do I go with Pekka and join you, join you both, or do I go Bez and be different? Um, I'm gonna go Martin. Actually, I'm gonna go. Neither of the two I thought of. He did well in Germany. I think he's gonna be riding a wave, and he's gonna pull it out in in Aston, Hopefully, now I've said that. Um, yeah, the MotoGP championship returns this weekend with the Dutch Grand Prix, a normal classic. Uh, normally get a good scrap between riders there so hopefully we'll get one of those this weekend and probably Ducati riders but we'll see what happens um, but we can't not talk about the BSB racing from Knockhill. Hill uh, again, Knockhill, Hill you know, always frozen something exciting and it was actually sunny for wife, from what I saw all weekend um, did look really good there and you know uh, I don't think any of us got rider of the round correct. I think Kyle Ride picked up the most points from the weekend.
2: Yeah, because Glenn crashed, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I don't think any of us went for him. He only wanted top fives, outperformed himself. Uh, We will talk about Glenn. Actually, no, we'll talk about Kyle Ride since he picked up the most points. Jack, what did you make of uh, his performance? A second, a win and a fourth for Kyle throughout the weekend. Um, Surprised himself? Did he surprise you?
2: A but yeah, because you know he's been really consistent. He won race two. Did, he probably did get a bit lucky with Glenn's crash, but you know he's he's just done a really good weekend. He probably he probably went the wrong way in the last race. If he had the same setup, maybe he would have got third. But yeah, just fantastic job by him and the OMG team. So I think he's properly established as a title contender, and I think uh, he'll be proud of himself of how many points he's picking up now
0: yeah he's properly filling the boots of uh Brad Ray isn't he that, that he left behind now so that's, that's always good to see for him um Dawn we'll move over to to Glenn Irwin the uh the the man who you know could have done the triple throughout the weekend crashed out of the lead in the second race but he did win uh race one and the and race three what did you make of of him and his sort of you know title challenge that he's on as well this season
1: yeah like say Glenn he's right in the hunt now he's settled well into the PBM team he's doing everything right just a slight little mistake that um, caused him to have the DNF but he must be so thrilled with how everything's going he's had sort of a a couple of seasons with Honda that haven't really produced too much he's been up there say the start of the season and then it's dropped away from him but you know and he's uh, just doing everything right and I think he's in a very good place.
0: Yeah, it really seems like he's at home on his return to PBM and it's going well for him. Uh, Jack, uh, we'll go to Jason O'Halloran for you. You picked him as the person you thought would be the rider of the round around Knock Hill. Um, it, all things considered, despite Race 3, which had a, a big crash from the lead, not an awful weekend for Jason compared to how the weekend's gone, uh, compared to how the year's gone. What what did you think of him around Knock Hill?
2: No, solidly a good pace. It just seemed like he couldn't move forward like when he was behind Kyle you tried to pass Kyle and that was the catalyst to how Glenn got past. had that not happened maybe um, it maybe Glenn might not have got past. but I think all things is Jace had the pace to win race three but unfortunately you know he just had a little bit of a bobble and slipped off so it's just sort of summing up Jace's week and the all season at the moment where he's got the pace but his bad looks just um, now at the start of the season compared to the end. So, yeah, it's mm. unfortunate for him.
0: Do you think that was Jason's best round of the season?
2: Yeah, despite Donington's win, I think that's the most consistent run we've seen from Jace so far.
0: Yeah, he's now, he says he's still in the championship hunt. He's a big 65 points behind. Um, do you think Jason could claw that back in with the, the rounds we've got coming up still before the, the points increase? We've got Snetterton next, I think, in the middle yeah. of July.
2: I think Snetterton, um, Brands, froxton they're all tracks that Jace usually goes well at. And then, plus, you've got the, the end races where the big points are up for grabs. And if Jace, Jace's fortunes flip, that it might come to his favour with the bigger points at the end to start to claw in that
0: gap. Yeah, I think he's got the talent to be up there and we still don't know who his teammate's going to be for the remainder of the season. No point speculating because we're still all Mm -hmm. as clueless as we were when it was announced that they would be replacing him. Um, Dawn, you said Leon Haslam for your rider of the round. A Weird weekend for Leon, really. Somewhere that you'd expect him to go well and it just didn't seem to click all all weekend really for him a best result of six. what what did you think of the the, the pocket rocket
1: apparently he's got a shoulder injury um because right. the private tests that the um not all, just a handful of them did the week before or two weeks before um he crashed so yeah. he has he's nursing a shoulder injury and i think he did struggle so i think looking at his results i think he probably did well to finish where he did actually so yeah that was the problem
0: yeah, I did see, I think it was Kyle before the weekend said that a lot of people had crashed at that test and he was one of the only ones not to. So I guess Leon and Andrew sort of picked up injuries there and sort of carried on over. Um, talk about the championship leader. We can't not mention Tommy Bridewell. Uh, again, still hasn't won at anywhere that doesn't have Park in the name. Uh, glad that you brought that to my attention, Jack, earlier this year. I'll continue to think about that now. Um a fourth, a second, uh, fourth, two seconds for, for Tommy. Jack just doing what he needs to really to hold his championship lead. It's still, what's it now, eight points he leads Kyle Ride by. He's impressive, isn't he, on his uh, arrival to PBM?
2: Yeah, he's just picking up those points, um, winning at Alton Park. I just, when he was leading at Knock, I was like, could he do it? And yeah. I just thought, <laughs> no. no. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, he's going to just pass him and know yeah. he is, and he's just going to finish second like he always does. But, yeah. Um. I'd be, because I'm not, I'm not sure if Tommy's even aware of or even Eurosport are aware of this thing with Tommy. So, I'd be, I'd be curious if they actually click, and if he ever does win something like Snetterton or something like old Brands, I like, if they will click on that it, it's the first time he's ever won it anywhere that's not a park, but. Uh, yeah, I think Tommy's just doing what he's got to do Four, three solid top four finishes and consolidating that championship lead, which he did lose the first part of the weekend. So I think uh, at this stage, Tommy's doing the right job. He's doing what needs to be done. But then obviously when we get to final three rounds, uh, victories will be more important to him.
0: Yeah. How crucial do you think that second place was for him in uh, race two when, when Glenn crashed out?
2: Yeah, I mean, it had Glenn not crash, he'd be leading the championship. So, at this stage, it's very important, and I think mean, it's just good for him to. Um, they brought home some good points.
0: Uh, we'll talk about Josh Brooks very quickly. Return from the TT. FHO racing team didn't seem on it all weekend. Didn't seem like either their riders could get the feeling that they wanted around Knockhill. Um, Josh Brooks' weekend, though. A ninth. Well, two what's that? Two ninths and an eighth place for Josh. Dawn just looked weird for Josh, and how compared to how the rest of his years gone, and he's now um, I think he's now fourth in the championship on joint points with Leon Haslam. Um, what what did you make of it for for Josh?
1: Yeah it's evident that he was struggling in this round but I think it's just he'll put it behind him that's a round to forget and we'll just move on to the next one because I think we'll see a better performance from him at Snatterton for sure but I I was not really expecting um, Josh to do to sort of be in the podium hunt so at least he finished all three races and but his teammate just really seemed to did have the TT blues he was just he didn't even seemingly turned up in the race so I'm not quite sure what was going on there
0: Yeah it just looked weird across the whole board for for FHO and I'm sure like you said they'll put it behind them and get to work and they'll be back towards the front like normal Um, Jack before we move on I'll ask you about Storm Stacey because I must say this is, he impressed me throughout the weekend Um, DNF in in race 3 was sort of the only blemish on his weekend, Uh, 8th and 7th Throughout the, the other two races, Storm Stacey he's coming of age, isn't he? Really in BSB now. Yeah,
2: I mean, he could have easily finished in the top five in all three races, but fortunately, I think just with the the, the strengths and weaknesses of that bike, just lend itself to not just for him to struggle to overtake in that last corner, because that's where you usually do the overtakes. And unfortunately, his bike just isn't strong enough in a straight line to outbreak someone. So. But you know he's strong, strong pace, and he's proving why he's why he's in the class. And hopefully, this sort of round can get him a, a solid ride for next year. Because if, as as good as that team is, and how happy he is there, I think he would definitely benefit from being in a somewhat factory outfit, whether that where, wherever that may be. But I think he's definitely doing it. he's putting himself on the map to to uh, hopefully be one for the future.
0: Yeah, I think. If you can get more results like that, then a top ride like uh, Macam's or even the effort, uh, the, the FS three Kawasaki squad could be a a good move for for Storm for next year. Definitely, um, we move on from uh, British Superbikes and we'll move to the Super Sport class, which of course, dawn the McAdam Racing team were were in. What um, how did the weekend go for for Tom? Because it seemed to be a bit of a up and down between the, the two races, but. A track he didn't know before this weekend. yeah he
1: not he'd not been to Knockhill before, so he did a track walk um with a couple of riders that he knows. um, I think he struggled a little bit in race one. um he started off a bit strong, then lost some positions because Tom's naturally a fast rider in Knockhill, you just you can't build any speed up before you've got to change direction, turn up a corner or whatever. And uh, then they had a few slight setup issues with the bike as well, so, immediately after race one they, you know, they changed a lot of things and race two was brilliant, he finished fourth and they were really proud of him
0: hmm. Yeah I'm, uh, to be honest, I haven't gone around to watching race two for British Supersport I'll be honest about that now um, You've missed just, a one then <laughs> Yeah, I've seen clips and I've seen the results but obviously I have, I, I will get round to watching it after this yeah. um, that's sort of why I went to you really for, for asking you about it but just seeing that Cause I sort of didn't think you'd said, I thought you'd mentioned last week. He'd never been to Knockhill, Hill. So to see that he finished fourth, just as a spectator, that seemed like a, an amazing achievement in, in itself. Cause Knockhill Hill is notorious for being a difficult circuit to learn. And it just looks, even if you look at the track map, it just looks hard. And there's, there's no way to put it other than that. And very impressive result for him. Um, I will look at the championship now. Luke Stapleford leads the way from, from Ben Curry and Tom Famous in, in third. Um, the race winners, Tom Famous, I did watch the race one, actually, for the Super Sport. That was a, a good fight, I thought, between Stapleford and Tom Famous. Jack, what did you, you think watching that? Because two Kawasaki men properly scrapping it out.
2: Yeah, it was... Scary watching Buffetmos because it it looked like he was going to throw it up the the floor every two seconds. Somehow he didn't, but obviously race two that didn't quite go to plan when he sent himself flying over the sausage curb. Yeah, but yeah, I think Luke played. Luke got unlucky because he got caught out by Zach Corduroy of all people with his crash, confusing it for Tom. So that caused him to not defend to the last corner. But I think Luke. Luke Stapleford is showing why he's a former British champion. He's really solid on that Kawasaki, which I didn't really expect when I first saw him on a Kawasaki. I thought he wouldn't do I thought he could only do something on a Triumph, maybe. But I think Luke's showing his talent. He's doing a really good job. He's, I think, he's still doing round by round basis, and he's leading the championship. And he's really strong. I think he could be. I think he's the man at the moment to. He's the championship favourite.
0: Because didn't he mention after race one that he actually flew back from being on a holiday for just this yeah. round and then he was yeah. flying back out on holiday?
2: <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah, he wasn't, wasn't going to do knock kill, but think, considering where he is in the championship, he's changed his mind.
0: Yeah, I, I, I can't blame him since he's now, le- oh, he's now leading it. Was he leading it before this yeah, weekend?
2: No, it was to be famous, he was leading it.
0: Yeah, and he's now leading it. So I'm sure he'll do most of the rounds this season now that he's leading it. Um, Reese Irwin, another rider again. I haven't watched race two, so I, I can't comment on what, what happened. So I'll ask you, Jack. But on a Suzuki to win a super sport race, I don't know how old that bike must be now for when mm-hmm. that came out. But mm-hmm. one of the oldest bikes on that grid, probably. What was the race like for Reese? Did he control it at the front because it looked um, like he was in a battle with Stapleford?
2: Uh, he, he sat behind Buffay and Moss and as. Then Bufemos crashed and he just held a consistent pace. He didn't really understand. I don't think he knew what he was doing. <laughs> he was just in the moment, just doing what he had to do. And Stapleford, luckily for him, he, Stapleford went the wrong way in setup. So I think that helped him a little bit. But Reese just hit all his markers, didn't make any mistakes, brought the bike home and brought the Astro JJR Suzuki home for its first victory. And maybe I think the team's first victory as well. So I think. Um, yeah, it was a f- fantastic result for all parties involved.
0: Yeah, that now puts him in fifth in the championship as well. So he's coming on strong on a Suzuki of all things as well in Super Sport. Um, ben Curry had a good weekend on the Ducati, the Oxford Products Racing Ducati, uh, a fourth and a third, which uh, puts him second in the championship now, just ahead of Tom Bufemos. Um as well as the the Super Sport racing. We had two races for the Super stock class jack Superstock again you know always delivers good racing but it does look like dan linfoot just demolished them at knock hill there's no way to put it um sort of i think he only stepped in this season just to help set up the team and now it looks like he is you know a, a championship contender what, what what did you make of him around knock hill
2: yeah he's just gone back to like his 2015 16 17 self where he- he's competitive and he's having fun. So naturally when you're having fun, you go faster.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He he does look like his old self racing again. It is good to see with someone of his talent. Um, Dawn, Franco Bourne at the start of the season, he obviously made the step, a big step up to Superstock. At the start of the season, he was running really well, winning races. Um, An eighth and a fifth at Knock Hill. Do you think purely for Franco, it's a thing of, you know, definitely not a, a lack of talent, but more of a thing of still adapting to that bigger bike around circuits like Knockhill.
1: Yes, definitely. Um, Franco is sort of where you'd expect him to be, or perhaps even a bit higher, because that is a massive class to yeah. jump into. And he's just doing really well. He's doing everything right. And yeah, he's got a bright future ahead of him, I'm sure.
0: Oh, yeah, no sort of disrespect to him. It's a massive step to make and really, yeah, exceeding, I'd say, all of our expectations, really, of where he should be at this point of the season. Um, where is he third in the championship still, um, ahead of the likes of Alex Olsen and Alistair Seeley and Billy McConnell. So, you know, they're not slow names that he's ahead of and he's no. still in the hunt for the title. Um, I think a, a, a title this season would be maybe a bit too far. Even though we all know how good he is, but he's still putting on strong performances uh, throughout the season so far. Um, Dawn, the Talent Cup, I'll go to I'll go towards you for this one. Um, again, not racing that I I managed to catch throughout the weekend. Um, how did it go for the the, the Talent Cup lads? Because they're always close racing. Was it the same at Knockhill?
1: Yeah, very exciting racing, but it was mainly Evan Balford and Emmanuel Brinton. And uh, Manic Mounsey that were, yeah. they stole the show really. It was a one, two, three, and both the races were changed because uh Emmanuel r- race won race one, yeah, and uh, yep. Evan won race two. So and there was a few crashes. So I hope the riders are all right because um, one race was red flagged. So it was you know very exciting racing, and yeah, there's more to come. I think from a few more in that class.
0: How did the, the weekend go for the Mortimer racing team? Yeah,
1: Alexander, um, I think he was inside the top 15. He struggled with a little bit of setup and I think he was a little bit frustrated sometimes and wanted to have the results what he got from Donington. But it's like a very different track. So, uh, But no, Alexander did very well. And um, from Snetterton onwards, we've got a new rider, Luke Schofield, that's joining the team. So we're very excited to see what he can do.
0: Is he? I, I saw that announcement too, but I don't know anything about Luke. Has he been in talent cup before?
1: No, he's not rode in the talent cup before. He's always wanted to, um, but he's just done his exams, and his parents wanted him to get the school work out of the way. So, but he's uh, he wants to do the rest of the season in the BTC, do it again next year, win it, because he wants to get in Red Bull rookies. So he's very ambitious.
0: I was say that's a that's an ambitious rider right there. Yeah, but, he's
1: got a anyway. plan. <laughs>
0: I'm sure all of them sort of uh come in with that expectation, but yeah. you never know it'll be it'll be good to see if how competitive he will be. Did you say Snetterton onwards for
1: yes, um... yeah,
0: yeah, so we'll see Snetterton keep an eye on on that young man because he seems very ambitious yeah. to say the least about about his uh, abilities um yeah, is there anything else from ah, we should mention Bautista completely forgot about that test'
2: uh, there's something about Potteraro. Oh, what's this? He's crashed whilst oh,
0: running. On his feet. Right, what's he and done? He's, he
2: twisted his ankle and now he's having an x ray.
0: Oh, so has this just happened now? Is this just something yeah, happened it happened about an hour ago. Right, so is that something?
2: He's currently yeah. having an x ray.
0: Fabio has had a high speed crash while running. Yeah. Going for an X. You know, you've got you've
2: got, you've got Rins crashing into a, a back of a van on a bicycle, you've got Aleish having a mysterious crash on on a bicycle, now you've got Fabio having a crash whilst running. I think well, riders should just, just be banned from doing anything on Thursdays except presses. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Fabio has vowed to race through the pain barrier, no matter what the injury is. But that's whether he's classed fit or not. Um To be honest, as far as Fabio. I'd take the weekend off. That bike's not <laughs> really anywhere. <laughs> oh, so. He's done it on purpose, really. He just wants a weekend off from racing. He's fed mm-hmm. up. Wants yeah, an had early summer break.
2: It a proper crash. So got. got, got, got knows what he did.
0: Well, he was in Amsterdam, so you never know, really, with <laughs> with, with, with how that could have gone. Uh, yeah. So I guess that's one to keep an eye on. Then will Fabio Quartararo race this weekend, Jack? What do you reckon? Will he be on track
2: if he's allowed to? Yeah.
0: Dawn, what do you reckon? If he's allowed to, will he be competitive? Or
1: I don't know if he'd be competitive, but I think he'll <laughs> be a sport, yeah. But then if he gets a terrible result, he'll blame his ankle. <laughs> yeah,
0: classic. Um, yeah. We will talk about Bautista briefly. He has done his gifted test on a Ducati MotoGP bike, and it was impressive. Ducati were... Normally you don't get lap times published from tests like that, but Ducati were very quick to themselves release it in a press release about how fast he'd gone. Jack, it where would that lap time put him? Was it ten, top ten on the grid? Was it? Did... Uh,
2: well, you can't use qualifying because qualifying was rain affected. Right. Okay.
0: Because I was saw... getting
2: annoyed about it. everyone's going, oh, he would have finished this place, but well, no, it was raining at the time. But... Right. Uh, but I'll was, just get the fastest laps up.
0: Was that race. A, the lap record I found is a 131.8? Uh,
2: yeah, that's what the, was done in the race.
0: Right, okay. So
2: in the actual, if he'd done that lap time, and this is included in, in Bautista was in hot conditions as well. Yeah, yeah. In that race, if he did that lap time last year, he would have been the ninth fastest rider in the race.
0: Wow one thirty two point five was Bautista's lap time. Obviously, Bautista has played down wanting to do a wild card. He has since suggested Sapang would be a track he'd be interested at in doing one at, purely for long straights. And Jack, like you pointed out last night to me, uh, certainly, I guess, similar to Pedroza in the past, Bautista's small stature would help him with getting around the hot temperatures there. Jack, after he's seen his lap time, and got his feeling back on a MotoGP bike. Do you see Bautista doing a wild card at some point in the season?
2: I reckon as soon as it's soon as World's finished, I reckon Ducati will then go right. Do you want to do it? Where do you want to do it? And I think he'll. I think if he wants to do it, he'll definitely do it. If he doesn't want to do it, he'll go no. But I think lots of people would be interested to see how he do because. I think he'd need another test maybe Mm -hmm. after he wins it just to quickly get that feeling back and then go to Sepang or whatever because I generally feel if he went to Sepang, I generally think with how his riding style is and everything, I generally think he could actually podium there. If, If it was a fully smooth weekend, I reckon he could get a
0: podium. See, I'm just quickly looking at where he could go after the World Superbike season wraps up. So there's the Australian Grand Prix, the Thai Grand Prix, the Malaysian, the Qatar Grand Prix, I forgot it was so late, and the Valencian Grand Prix, are the five options he'd have. Um, Dawn, where do you think, other than where he said with Sepang... Where do you think Ducati would allow him to to wildcard most? Because a lot of them are flyaways, so I don't know if they'd be willing to take his take another bike over there for him. What, yeah. what do you think?
1: Perhaps Valencia to you know the mm. final round of the season go with a bang and yeah, I think it might be Valencia. Plus you know in his home country as well. He
0: doesn't like Valencia though, yeah. Yeah. And there's always the chance to be wet as well with Valencia because yeah. it's, yeah. it's like it's. The 26th of November. Yeah.
2: It's cold in the middle of November, so it'll be even colder yeah. in the end of November.
0: Yeah. yeah, I wouldn't be doing here if I was him. Jack, if you were about obviously he said to Pang, mm. and Jacati allowed you to pick any track remaining after World Superbike finished, where would you go for the while? From? I'd choose
2: Thailand or, well, I would say Philip Island, but you've got the risk of the colder temperatures. Mm. So I don't know if that would be the right decision, but. I'd say Thailand or, Japan. Um,
0: did, well, did race Thailand, didn't
2: yeah, he? Was, yeah, he was one of the. He raced in twenty eighteen, and then he won. He did the treble in twenty nineteen in in world.
0: Uh, of course, yeah. When was...
2: Ray nearly knocked him off.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you now. Yeah, I couldn't remember if he'd done it in GP, but he would have an eighteen, wouldn't he? Yeah. Yeah. When... yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, a lot of straights there. Could definitely see, it. but then also wet season there as well yeah. at the time. I think so. I don't know. There's a lot of things that could happen. Um Would you like to see Baldi to do a wild card, Jack?
2: If everything went smoothly, yeah. I generally think he could do something, and it, you just it would do well for the world to about paddock as well to show like, okay, so the talent in there is good enough, is is as good as GP. Because everyone since Troy Bayliss, everyone who's done a wild card is not really. Perform to what the standard would be. You yeah. I mean, had yeah, Jonathan Ray who got top seven, but he said he wasn't fully pushing, so who knows where he would have finished. But yeah, generally, if you, if you do a wild card, you are lucky to get points. So,
0: yeah. yeah. Um, Dawn, would you like to see Bautista do a wild card, and how do you think he'd get on?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think it'd be really exciting, and I think he'd do well. Yeah, because I think he's such a good rider, and yeah. I think it'd
0: be good to see. Yeah. I think he'd be definitely top 10 would be my prediction for, do
1: definitely. for
0: Bautista. Um, I think he'd enjoy the sprint race as well in MotoGP where he's adapted to them in, in super bikes so well. To
1: them, yeah.
0: I think he'd get a, I think in a sprint he could get a top five probably with, you know, the the low fuel load and how tiny he is as a rider. Um, but oh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting. Um, see what happens on that front. I imagine more will be revealed closer to the end of the World Superbike season because uh, Ducati will want Bautista to win the championship before they decide anything and he could win it a-, a long way before the end of the season. So that's another interesting thing to keep an eye out on. Nothing else has happened as it Jack now before I end yeah. today's episode.
2: Oh, nothing that I've seen.
0: Pecco's not falling off his push bike um, or anything. It's all...
2: Martin's right. been cycling, but that's about it. <laughs> right.
0: We're safe to end this episode here then. Um, obviously, MotoGP this weekend, the Dutch Grand Prix. We've done our predictions. Be interesting to see what happens there. Normally gives a classic race. I'm excited for it. Um, yeah, I think that's the, the, the a good place to, to end for this episode. In the meantime, between the next episode next week make sure to follow the high side news account on facebook and instagram on at high side news and also to make sure to follow short shift news uh, and all of us on social media until next week thank you very much for listening goodbye